I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Warning, you're about to enter the arena and join the battle to save America with your host, Sean Parnell. Hey, everybody. Happy Monday. Welcome to Battleground Live. It is great to have you here. Today, we had almost 100 people waiting almost like almost an hour before the show, just going back and forth in the live chat and just a quick weekend update it was it was a crazy awesome weekend in fort parnell it was emma's 13th birthday it's it's hard to imagine you know i've got three daughters two teenagers now and then i've got natalie schmadley who is in the live chat right now talking smack on me because of course she is because that's what she does she she's she's embarrassed by me dabbing well natalie got 100 percent on her on her math test so i think that we owe her a celebratory dab do you see this form right here people this is what it looks like this is what right looks like here okay um 100 on the math test but 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 emma 13th birthday party today um i think we have some pictures of the actual celebration oh that okay so that's me um, yeah, that's a picture of of the celebration, but it's actually my Aunt Cindy brought over what they call a gut buster sub or no, I'm sorry, a belly buster sub from DiCarlo's. And basically it's a whole Italian sub. You see that right there? Look at Natalie in the back looking at me all embarrassed. You see her? <laughs> She's like, what are you doing? I've been told that as a politician, you're not, to, you're not supposed to or you should never hold things up to your mouth and eat them. But I couldn't resist with a DiCarlo's sub. Now, DiCarlo's is an Italian restaurant, an Italian delicatessen i guess here in western pennsylvania um but they make these subs that are on entire loaves of italian bread and i made my way through that hat through half of it i think over the course of 48 hours but of course if you look there in the back natalie looks horrified as as she should be uh that's just but it's just my job as a father to do these types of things go ahead and show the next picture chat so this is the fam there's emma right there um with her 13th birthday cake. And on the far right, you've got Ethan, who's in the live chat. And next to him, you've got Katie. And Commander Melanie is right there in the middle. And then you've got Emma, of course, in front of her birthday cake. And that very smart-looking young fellow is, is my youngest son, Evan, with his glasses. Very, very smart. His glasses make him look smart. And he is smart without them, too. Uh, and then you have there, Natalie Schmadley. Um, there, and of course, this is the 13th birthday. But folks, I have to tell you, I am... It's hard. It's, you know, birthdays are bittersweet, you know, and, you know, Emma is 13 years old. She's a teenager now. And my grandparents used to say to me when we used to have our Sunday dinners, and that's it's something that we try to do as a family, too. Uh, we used to do every single Sunday, religiously, a Sunday dinner with the family. And my my grandfather and my grandmother would host them at her house. Their house was I mean. When I was a kid, it felt like their house was huge. But as we grew up, their house was just a standard middle middle class house in 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 Western Pennsylvania, in in just 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 outside the city of Pittsburgh. Um, but we would cram a 
heck of a lot of people into what was probably a kitchen that was too small for all of us. And my grandmother used to say to me, you know, over and over, oh, don't blink. Oh, man, these kids, look how fast. Oh, look how big you are. You guys are just growing up so fast. Oh, man, you blink and you're you're already a teenager. And I used to just kind of laugh. And of course, that that phrase is, is cliche. And, you know, it's just my grandmother saying what my grandmother says. But now I'm starting to experience all this stuff with my own kids. <laughs> and I find myself saying the exact same stuff. You know, when Emma was a little baby, and she was very, very difficult to put to sleep. Uh, in fact, she never liked sleeping in her crib. But I used to remember, um, you know, holding her as she was going to sleep and just doing squats because that's the only way that she would fall asleep. And sometimes it would take like 400 air squats to get her to fall asleep. And so um, I, I, that's how I remember her. And it's just crazy to me that she's 13 now and she's turning into a fiercely strong, young, independent woman who's, by the way, who's been through a lot, you know, if, if you've paid attention to my, my, you know, political career, uh, you know, uh, how the left fights, we talk about it often on this show, they're brutal, they they don't care about who gets hurt, they don't care if kids are involved. Um, my kids have been through through the ringer. And yet, somehow all of them, but you know, all of these kids ha- are somehow stronger, more intelligent, uh, because of it. And they never cease to amaze me, you know, every single day. They really are an inspiration uh, to me as a parent, which by the way, let me tell you, I'd be the first to tell you that <laughs> being a parent does not, co- does not come with a manual. I wish there was a class in high school that taught you every or in college that taught you everything there is to know about being a parent, but there's not. Um, and especially about being a father, but I have to tell you, it's been one of the greatest honors of my life to just watch these kids grow up and, and, yeah, don't blink. Kids get old. <laughs> Kids grow up right before your eyes, and it's kind of an unbelievable thing. But yeah, we had a hell of a weekend here in in Fort Parnell, and Emma had a great birthday. And thank you all for for wishing her a happy birthday in the live chat on Friday. I mean, she watched the show and she saw some of the chat, and she just thought it was pretty cool that you all rallied around her like that. So thank you for your support. And if you're watching this show and, and you're just joining us, or you're new to the platoon and you're in the trenches, just so you know the mission of the show is to save this country, get in the fight to save this country, not sit on the sidelines. We cannot afford to be the silent majority any longer. We just can't. Uh, you know, politicians trot out every single election cycle that this is the most important election of our life of our lifetime. But the reality is, is I think 2024 is is America's last hope. Because these Democrats, and as we'll talk about today, they they have no shame. They're all in on the fundamental transformation of this country. And as we talk about often on this show, to transform something means that you must destroy it brick by brick so that it can be transformed into what image? I have no idea. But given what we've experienced since the 2020 election, whether it's stealing or rigging elections, or if you're a lefty and you want to brag about it, maybe you call it fortifying elections, which I got this from the Time Magazine piece um, called the Shadow Campaign to to, to fortify the 2020 election, which again in time, came out in Time Magazine in February of 2021. Um, it's just it's just a crazy time to be an American. And the left, when, when you talk about the fundamental transformation of things, they mean the fundamental transformation of the best country on the face of the planet. And I just, I have to tell you folks, I, we've got to do something about it. 
And so that's what this show is all about. It's about preserving this country. It's about fighting for this country. It's about making sure that my kids who are there in the live chat and your children and your grandchildren can inherit a country that's rich with opportunity and free. That's what this show is all about. And so if you're new to the show or you're just, you've been with us since the very beginning, thank you. And also, please do not forget to take a couple seconds to smash that like button. It helps Rumble notices. And if Rumble notices, we get advertisers. And if more advertisers we get, we can build a cool, sexy studio that gets me away from the cat's litter box and all these crazy kids so we can actually bring a better quality show to you. So the more you like, the, the potential for us getting advertisers goes through the roof. And, and, and obviously, subscribing to Battleground Live, this show, which airs every single night, 5 p.m., it's live, 5 p.m., Monday through Friday, it helps us build and reach more people, which in turn, you know, creates a more effective movement, uh, a more effective movement that that will allow us to to be better equipped to save this damn country because we absolutely have to do it. All right. So pivoting right to a couple of news stories that are that that were top of mind for me today. Um, Donald Trump is in South Carolina. And the reason why I'm telling you this is because Donald Trump is, is in obviously in the midst of a hotly contested uh presidential primary and i when i say hotly i i certainly do use the term loosely because he's winning by 50 some points in almost every primary state and now we'll talk about it later he's winning by a fairly significant margin over joe biden and but what donald trump's in south carolina right now and he is beating both Nikki Haley and Tim Scott in their home states of South Carolina by double digits, which is significant. Um, don't you think that there should be a rule or maybe if it's not a maybe it's not a written rule, maybe it should be like an internal barometer check for some of these other politicians that if you're getting your butt whipped in your own home state by somebody who's by by another candidate, maybe you should bow out. I think DeSantis is getting beat in Florida by 30 some points. You know, you've got Nikki Haley and Tim Scott being beat in South Carolina by like 20 some points. I mean, do you think that maybe you should take a hint, bow out of the race, consolidate around a single candidate? Yeah, you would think. But many of these candidates, you know, <laughs> they just they don't have the best political instincts. And it, it makes one wonder why they're still in. However, the reason why I'm talking about South Carolina is I have kind of a funny. Or maybe an informative story about South Carolina that I want to tell you. Now, I've told you before that I've been involved in politics for quite some time uh, since I left the, since since I left the military and rode out Law Platoon. I've tried to use that platform to both help veterans and fight for the direction of this country. I've always said that I, I don't need you know boots and a rifle to fight for freedom. Uh, I don't need a title of of congressman or senator to fight for freedom. I don't need the rank of a captain or some other military officer to fight for freedom. No, I'm a I'm an American citizen and that's enough. So I've always volunteered my time on local, state, federal races where I could. I've helped Mike Kelly and uh and his campaign way back in the day, helped local candidates knock doors here in Western Pennsylvania. I spoke at the House Republican retreat in 2014 when John Boehner was the Speaker of the House. I've regularly advised members of the House and the Senate on foreign policy and veterans issues. I helped wrote a bill called the uh, write a bill called what what was signed into law by President Trump called the Mission Act, which uh, gave veterans a choice with regards to where they receive their health care. And the reason, by the way, just as 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 a moment of pride for me, um, 
you know, veterans, this was back at a time where veterans were dying on secret wait lists. Do you remember that story out of Phoenix, Arizona, where, you know, the VA was out there telling vets that, oh, yeah, hey, we're, we're out there telling veterans and the American public that they were getting veterans into appointments and everything was going great. Uh, but the problem was, is that veterans were killing themselves, killing themselves in record numbers. And there was actually a secret wait list that the VA was not releasing that had veterans waiting months and months and months for the critical medical care that they needed. Well, what this bill did was give veterans a choice because I like and appreciate the VA. I'm glad that it's available. And I really am grateful for the doctors, nurses, and, and the staff that work there to keep that organization going. It's the largest bureaucracy, healthcare bureaucracy in the world. However, not everyone lives around a VA. And if you're an amputee or you're someone that's struggling with wounds received in combat or some sort of service-related injury, it could be really, really difficult to hop in a car and drive three or four hours for a doctor's appointment. So what the, the Mission Act did was give veterans a choice. If you don't live around a VA and you have a private health care provider that you actually would prefer, or maybe it's a proximity issue with the VA, as I mentioned, you can actually just choose to go see a, a, a you know, a private health care provider in your own community. And President Trump signed that into law. So my point, I'm telling you all this, not to impress you, but to impress upon you um, that I've been involved for a long time. But the first time I got involved in presidential politics, specifically with regards to a presidential campaign, was in 2016. Now, I didn't have a whole lot of national experience with regards to presidential politics. As I mentioned, it was my first time, first kind of time in the ring. And I think this was the 2016 cycle and, and Marco Rubio, I backed Marco Rubio back then. I know. Uh, don't judge me. I'll, t I'll tell you I'll tell you a story here in a second about that. But we were campaigning in South Carolina with him and I was with Marco's brother. And, you know, back then I just I just liked the idea that Marco was a young candidate. And I thought that the Republican Party, it'd be cool to have a young president, you know, and. I identify with a lot of his positions back then and, and, and liked what he represented and liked his energy and all that stuff. But um, down in South Carolina and, and at this point, Trump was an insurgent candidate. Nobody really knew what was what was happening with President Trump very, very early on. Although I will say this, my mom was 100 percent on board uh, the Trump train. and She's just kept telling me. And my mom's this fierce, uh, fiercely independent, uh, strong Italian woman. She's like, Sean, you just don't know. President Trump, Trump's a heck of a lot more popular than you think. And I'm like, I, I OK, I, I maybe I didn't believe her back then, but I soon did. And here's why. We're down in South Carolina. Marco Rubio has an, a, a huge campaign operation down there. And I mean, like his office is in this warehouse. He's got thousands. And I mean, thousands of volunteers knocking doors in South Carolina. He's got this big RV and he's, you know, campaigning everywhere, doing these cool stump speeches. And again, I was just like back then I was thinking, wow, this is really neat. This whole presidential campaign stuff is so cool. Um, and. We knew back then that, you know, hey, Marco had to have a strong showing in South Carolina. Otherwise, he's going to have to make some decisions about what direction he was going to take his presidential race. Should he get in? Should he should he stay in? Should he get out? And as we were driving out of South Carolina, uh, you know how campaign buses have, you know, they've got buses for their staff and they got the campaign primaries, like the candidate and their family and another bus. And, they, you know, it's just like a big convoy out of the state onto the next state. And again, this was a must win state for, for Marco back then. The campaign bus pulled up outside to it like a, out, out, 
of a gas station or something like that, where a bunch of the staff like ran inside to use the restroom, buy snacks, stuff like that for the road. Well, right across the street from this gas station was a Trump headquarters. And I thought like, what, as somebody who just is, I like to say that I think for myself, right? Every teacher that I had growing up to think for yourself. And I just wondered, what the hell is going on with the, with this Trump phenomenon? And back then, that's all I, as somebody who was inexperienced, I didn't really know. So I walk in there and listen, no exaggeration, right? I walk in there, there's about 40 iPads and one 70-year-old man in there just, you know, collecting signatures. Trump had zero presence in South Carolina, really. I mean, he was, like I say, he's an insurgent candidate. That's what I, I mean. It. He, it's true. I was like, what the hell? <laughs> what the, I've never seen anything like that. Here you have Marco with thousands of people canvassing, knocking doors, sending out mailers, stumping all over South Carolina. Trump had Trump had nothing but these little virtual voter registration, like little outposts, like hardly any presence at all. Trump won South Carolina. Marco came in second. <laughs> so uh, is this the craziest thing? Right. And so. I said, okay, there's something going on here that I am am not aware of. I, I am clearly missing. And, and so I go back to my home state of Pennsylvania. I drove across the state a couple times. And everywhere I looked, and I mean everywhere I looked, even in places that were historically Republican, there were Trump signs everywhere. I mean, I'd be on like, you know, 76 driving across the state, the huge homemade banners on these farms, like about Trump and being pro-life. And like the enthusiasm was like, I've, I've never seen anything like it. And you can go throw this in a search engine, throw it in Google and, and look up this article that I wrote for the Hill. Okay. Um, way, way back then. I mean, might you might have to find it in the archives or something like that. But I wrote an article that said Donald Trump is going to win Pennsylvania. And yes, I, I had no empirical science to back it up. It was just a feeling. Someone who has been in this state for four generations and know these people, like these people were like family to me. And there was just something in the air, right? And and oh man, did I get lambasted? Who the hell does this guy think he is? He's not one of our inside the beltway pollsters. This is all just anecdotal data. Harumph, harumph, harumph. Yes, I know you're way smarter than me. We all get it. Um, but sure enough, uh, I was right. They were wrong. Trump won Pennsylvania in historic fashion and indeed was the first Republican to win the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania since Ronald Reagan. And you know, I think he won back then by 44,000 votes, razor thin margin, but nobody believed that he could win. Now, Donald Trump is in South Carolina again today, and the same usual suspects are out there talking about how Donald Trump can't win the general election, about how he's a disastrous candidate. I mean, it's all the same damn people, the same never Trump people that criticize President Trump. And probably, who the hell knows, by the way, many of these people probably voted for Hillary or didn't vote at all or wrote in another candidate, did not support Trump in 2016, right? But these same never Trumpers who criticized Trump in 2016, and then when Donald Trump won, bled into the background and pretended to be pro-Trump during his four years of presidency, you know, these are the worst types of people, by the way, because at least with the Democrats, you know who your political enemies are. You know that the Democrats, by and large, oppose you. You never think you're going to get a knife in the back from someone on your own team, but that's who these never Trumpers are. But these very same people 
are out there in South Carolina and and every in every state saying the same nonsense that Trump can't win. He's a disaster of a candidate. Blah blah blah. And it just reminded me of that South Carolina story. And I hearken back to what I said earlier about why are Nikki Haley and why Tim Scott and why are all these other candidates? Why are you in the race? If Donald Trump is kicking your ass in your home state, even though you've already run statewide and won in other races, get out. Like, there's like at least have the the humility to see if I can't even win my home state, a state that I ran in and won before, then if I'm losing by double digits, that really you have to question: is it worth it? politically to stay in. And two, there's only, there's a finite number of resources for candidates that with which to run. All you're doing by staying in this race is sucking up valuable resources that Donald Trump could be using to build a national platform, national infrastructure. Or, or he could build an entire another pillar to his campaign, which he's building right now, I know for a fact, but an entire another pillar of his campaign to, to, to focus on election integrity stuff in different swing states, ballot chasing operations, get out the vote campaigns, mail-in ballot campaigns, whatever. But instead, no, these candidates choose, they're getting their asses kicked in their own home states and they're going to stay in and they're going to suck up valuable resources that could be put towards better use. But hey, same old people in 2016, happening again today. It's unfortunate, but anyone, and I'm here to tell you this, here's if you're listening to this show or you're watching this show, you've likely heard this over and over again in the media and in a great many other places, friends, family at the dinner table, uh, like as you go out, there are going to be people who are casually attached to politics or just regurgitating what they're hearing in mainstream news. And, I, and I'm talking Fox News, MSNBC, MSNBC, CNN, and all the, you know, ABC, NBC, all those places as well. They're just going to tell you that Donald Trump can't win. If people are telling you that, you should just laugh because not only is it brazenly false, they're just buying into a media narrative that is untrue. I'm here to tell you that, yes, he can win. He's the only one that has a snowball's chance in hell of winning. And I'll get to that in a second. Before we do, I want to follow up on a story that I rolled out to you on Friday. And that story is about Senator Menendez of New Jersey, the senior senator from New Jersey. (laughs) I brought to you on Friday just as the story broke that he's been indicted on bribery screen, uh, a bribery scheme, really just basically selling his office and the power and influence of his office to the Egyptians. Not even an exaggeration. The dude's a straight up foreign agent. <laughs> like um, that. It's not an exaggeration to say that when the feds raided his house, they found in his home gold bars. I don't know. Maybe they're from Egypt. Who the hell knows? How many of you have gold bars in your house? Probably no one. And shortly after receiving those gold bars, the feds found on hard drives, how much is a kilo of gold worth? <laughs> I mean, they found they found cash, banded stacks of cash stashed all in his house like like this, like like it's an episode of The Sopranos or like he's like it's like in the movie The Godfather stacks of cash this high in jackets to say 
you know, Senator Menendez with the official Senate seal on them. I mean, 400 plus thousand dollars of cash. The dude came out just today and said, oh, no, 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 that's nothing. There's nothing to see here. That's just my own personal savings. Like, okay, dude, whatever. Gold, you save money in the form of gold bars in your house, maybe with Egyptian writing on them. I'm making up that last part. Who the hell knows where they're from? But it's pretty clear these people were bribing him for for favorable military deals. I mean, because Menendez was the guy and the senior guy in the Senate Foreign Relations Committee signing off on these military deals, gave tank rounds to the Egyptians. So I want you to see right at the top of the show, the press conference that Senator Menendez gave today in response to these very serious allegations that he's a foreign agent. Uh, Let's go ahead and roll that clip. Moderated but I still will be the New Jersey's senior senator. For now, I want to address four things. First, a cornerstone of the foundation of American democracy and our justice system is the principle that all people are presumed innocent until proven guilty. All people. I ask for nothing more and deserve nothing less. The court of public opinion is no substitute for our revered justice system. We cannot set aside the presumption of innocence for political expediency when the harm is irrevocable. To those who have rushed to judgment, you have done so based on a limited set of facts framed by the prosecution to be as salacious as possible. Remember, prosecutors get it wrong sometimes. Sadly, I know that. Instead of waiting for all the facts to be presented, others have rushed to judgment because they see a political opportunity for themselves or those around them. All I humbly ask for in this moment, in my colleagues in Congress, the elected leaders and the advocates of New Jersey that I have worked with for years, as well as each person who calls New Jersey home, is to pause and allow for all the facts to be presented. Second, my long record. <laughs> it's like innocent until proven guilty is a standard that the, like only the Democrats receive. Like they go out there and they relent, they've, especially in the context of how they've treated President Trump, just indicting him on completely bogus charges, things that are fabricated out of whole cloth. Trump is not extended any of those courtesies. In fact, the media is all in on destroying this man's life and the lives of his children and the lives of his grandchildren and going after all of his businesses, every single line item in all of his bank accounts. They publicly released his tax returns. Yet here's Bob Menendez, a typical Democrat fashion, by the way, typical Democrat fashion does not not apologize and takes zero accountability for anything. It's like these people are absolutely unbelievable. Here's a guy, clear, clear cut foreign agent, no qualms about it, has gold bars given to him from foreign governments, stacks of cash, $500,000 in cash stashed in random jackets, said he's just his life savings. And then, which wasn't in this press conference, the statement that he released after the show on Friday was like, oh, I just noticed that all you people are just so desperate to get a Latino out of the office. Now he's playing the race card. Like, what the 
is this the country that we live in? My God, this guy is 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 got to be one of the mouth breathers of all mouth breathers. And I'll tell you this. I'll also tell you this. I said this on Friday, and I'll say it again. How the hell? is what Bob Menendez did using his wife as an intermediary in the middle of all these deals. Any different than what Joe Biden did using Hunter Biden as an intermediary in the midst of all these deals to sell the position of his office, then a vice president, now a president, now as president, to countries all across the world who hate us. Except for what Joe Biden did was a million times worse. I mean, Biden's got millions and millions and millions of dollars. Almost, It's almost so bad that even the Biden grandchildren who are seven, eight, nine years old have million, seven figure plus dollar amounts in their actual bank accounts. How is, is that the craziest? I mean, the Democrats are so corrupt. I said it on Friday, and I'll say it again, folks. They are an existential threat to this country. Okay, uh, let's move on. Let's move on. Um, Ken Paxton. I did not get the Ken Paxton and Tucker Carlson interview last week. We just had so much to talk about uh, that it just got left on the cutting room floor. However, I want to hit this right now. I think it's very, very important that we elevate the truth tellers who actually are in positions of authority elected officials who are unafraid to speak truth about issues that matter. And one of the things that I have been relentless on since they stole the 2020 election is election integrity. And there was this exchange between Ken Paxton and Tucker Carlson last week that I thought was brilliant because he gives away the Democrat playbook uh, in in heavily Democrat areas, he gives away how they win. And I'm going to lay it all out there for you afterwards with my own personal experience and, and stuff that I personally witnessed. Uh, but the, Ken Paxton nails this. Uh, let, check out this video, uh, uh, this exchange between Ken Paxton and Tucker Carlson. Go ahead and roll the tape. They stopped counting votes on election night? Because what they needed to figure out was how many real votes there were so they could figure out how many mail-in ballots to apply to the election. That's what they would have done in Texas. I'm convinced. So you think that was fraud, right? I have no doubt, having been through that whole process. It wasn't just a water leak? It was definitely planned. I mean, it would have happened in Texas. I promise but you. But can you just stop counting ballots on election night when everyone's watching TV? Oh, I know. Have you ever seen that before? Ever? For three hours? Well, you tell me. You're the one I have who's you're in politics. Seen, I've never seen it before in my life. I was like, I knew it when they stopped. And it was, and Trump is leading in all these states. I knew exactly what they were doing. They were, because there's no way to know where those mail in ballots came. Anybody could have filled them out. Anybody. There's no way to know where those ballots came from. That's, that's not a dangerous conspiracy theory? It's, I'm, I watched it happen. <laughs> I was a part of it. All right. So what he's talking about is stopping the vote. Right. All of you know that the vote in critical swing states was stopped almost all at the same time. Now, Georgia, oh, there was a water main break. We had to stop. They had some excuse. When in, in Pennsylvania, they stopped in, in Pennsylvania across the board, but especially in heavily Democrat counties like Philadelphia and Allegheny County. Now, they'll tell you it's just because we had more mail in ballots to count. We have a small staff and we 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 just are overworked. And OK, so. You've known election day was coming for two damn years at this point. Like, can you maybe have the staff ready to count this up ballots on election night? Here's why this is very, very important. If you stop counting during an election, you lose all control. And if you lose all control, 
you will undoubtedly lose the faith of the people at least half the faith of the people. And this is, by the way, this is a, not a partisan statement. If if Republicans are doing this, we're doing this, it would be unacceptable to Democrats. When Democrats do it, it's unacceptable to Republicans. And the reason why is what these Democrats do, and this is their playbook in some areas, no doubt about this. They wait for the election day tally to be 100% done. They get an accurate count of how many election day votes there were for Democrat, Republican, independent, other. They look at the margin. They say, "Okay, just use this is all hypothetical here. Okay, look, the Republican here had an election day turnout of 200,000. It looks like we only had as Democrats only had an election day turnout of 100,000. So we're going to need. Look, we only have 50,000 or so Democrat mail-in ballots. I mean, oh my gosh, that leaves us a margin of about 50,000 that we have to backfill. I know that sounds crazy, but that's what they do, okay? And and, and they do it, they, they've been cheating in elections all the way back since like 1960 with Richard Nixon and the whole fiasco of what happened in Chicago. They admit to this stuff. Don't believe me, just Take a walk in Philadelphia if you're brave enough to, because the crime is just so bad there. But if you get an opportunity, ask somebody in Philadelphia, just a random Democrat off the street, if they cheat in elections in Philadelphia. They will laugh in your face and say, it's Philadelphia, man. Of course we do. I'm telling you. Why else in the middle of an election are election officials in Philadelphia covering the windows so people can't see in? Why else were poll watchers not allowed to be present? And so... Democrats have always cheated in elections. And when things don't go their way, they talk about how it was rigged against them. And again, I could pull up a supercut right now of all these Democrats complaining about elections and voting machines and everything else. So when things didn't go their way, that's where they went. Okay. So my, my number one, I mean, there does seem to be some bipartisan consensus, you know, whether it's Republicans complaining about elections now or Democrats complaining about elections after Trump won in 2016. There does seem to be some bipartisan consensus on these machines, right? And paper ballots on Election Day, right? So if that's the case, why the hell aren't we doing it? In fact, why are we going in the opposite direction? Because now Democrats feel like they, they've got the initiative on the political battlefield, especially in these swing states. And what I mean by that is that they have a voting infrastructure and system in place to handle these mail-in ballots. And if there is a deficit on Election Day after the count has stopped, they can identify what the, the general Election Day votes for the Republicans were and then backfill those votes with mail-in ballots. And the reason why I'm telling you this is what they did in 2020, no doubt about it, okay? The extent to which they're going to be able to do this moving forward, I'm not sure. Republicans, I know you probably don't, many of you probably don't believe this, but Republicans have gotten better at identifying and stopping this a little bit, uh, especially in swing states other than the one that I'm in in Pennsylvania, but we've made some headway here as well, uh, not really because the actual Republican establishment here, but because there are great private citizens doing this work. Um, but I'll give you an example. In 2020, uh, there were the state has a electronic voter registration database, okay, where the voter file is released like every Monday or something like that at three o'clock with updated voter rolls and, and people can pay to get the voter file and everything else. Well, there were three groups 
tied directly. And this is this is fact. And, and Republicans can do this, too, by the way. So this isn't some sort of like like out of left field thing. Uh, th- there were three groups tied directly into the state voter electronic voter registration database in 2020. There was Rock the Vote, hard left group. There was Hillary Clinton for president, hard left group, and Joe Biden for president. Those three groups had access to the electronic voter registration database. This is a fact, folks. Don't trust me. It's 100% true. Go verify it for yourself. Um, But if you have access to this file, all it takes, now, all it takes is a dark room, two people, and a printer, and you can print off people who either you have a strong likelihood of them that actually not showing up because you can look at the voter file and say, well, holy smokes, these people haven't voted in like 10 cycles. What are the chances you think they're going to vote in this cycle? Hmm. I don't know. Okay. So they take the gamble. They print the ballot, right? They put it in a secrecy envelope. They drop that ballot in a secrecy envelope. They don't even have to sign or have a postmark on them. Why? Because in 2020, the governor, because of COVID removed signature verification and any semblance of a deadline, and remove the postmark requirement. So none of those things were even needed. Ballot could be dropped into a mailbox. Ballot is collected and counted. And no one's going to have the time, energy, money, or resources to look into whether that person actually voted, if they're even still alive, if they even still live in the state of Pennsylvania. I mean, it's it's almost impossible to catch this stuff once the actual, actual secrecy ballot is separated from the ballot itself. And in these heavily Democrat areas, all because all the identifying information is on is on the, really the outside envelope. Once those two things are separated, it's impossible to track. But in he- heavy demo in heavy Democrat areas, they separate those things right off the bat, so they can never be tracked. And so this explains why, if you if say for example, someone hadn't voted in ten cycles, you know, if you have somebody that's not voting in ten cycles and takes a shot on voting in the twenty twenty election. Maybe they maybe they say, hey, oh, I'm going to show up to vote. Right. But if this person, this Democrat, you know, worker in one of these nonprofit groups or Hillary Clinton for president and Joe Biden for president just takes a gamble, votes for that person. That's why you had people in swing states, especially in the state like Pennsylvania. That's why you had people showing up at, on Election Day and already have voted. I heard story after story after story of people showing up on election day and say, oh, I'm sorry, ma'am, sir, you already voted. And they said, wait a second, I didn't vote. I'm here. I, I, of course I didn't vote. And then those people were forced to fill out a provisional ballot. And in many cases, those provisional ballots were scanned, <laughs> scanned multiple times for the actual opposing candidate as well. That's a whole nother story. But Ken Paxton is speaking truth to power right there because that's exactly what happened. And, and look, folks, the reason why this is just so important is when I tell you that Trump can win, I mean it from the bottom of my heart. In fact, the polling is bearing this out more clearly now than ever before. Because if you look at 2016, I go back and look at historical polls in 2016. And then when you're done with that, go back. And look at historical polls in 2020. It has Trump getting shellacked, sometimes absurdly so, by the Democrat. Those polls, by and large, are called suppression polls. They're supposed to create a sense of hopelessness in the voter. Well, damn, Trump's getting his butt kicked. I'm, I don't even need to vote. It doesn't even matter. Okay, that, that's what those polls are meant to do. They're, all, they're essentially a psyop. 
But today, Trump is actually winning in many of these polls. And if he's winning, his the margins are probably understated because they never want to give Trump an edge in these polls. And so the numbers that we're seeing today are, are historic. In the real clear politics average overall, Trump is up by 4, 0.5 points. So it's it's close, but Trump is up. But ABC and the Washington Post came out with a poll over the weekend that the, that the media spin machine went into overdrive trying to position as an outlier. It's crazy. Well, this is ABC. It's the Washington Post. These are hardly conservative bastions, right? In fact, Washington Compost. I mean, it's it's left-wing trash. So they, they come out with this poll, and they have 2024 general election poll, Trump 52, Biden 42. Essentially, that means Trump plus 10. So when people tell you that Trump cannot win, it is it is it is complete nonsense. And this poll, I'm telling you, time after time, every weekend these these networks re- release new polling. But Trump, the race has either been razor razor thin within the margin of error, or now in some cases Trump up, and in this case Trump up by a significant margin. And folks, this is why the Democrats are panicking. I mean that these numbers in conjunction with a president that is, you know, an animated corpse mouth breather, although if he's an animated corpse, I haven't quite worked out the science of how he would actually breathe through his mouth. Nevertheless, they have a president that is wildly unpopular. The economy is in in shambles, despite the incessant Democrat gaslighting and the media lies. The economy is one of those things that's kind of hard to lie about, right? Because they can go out there and say, you know, like, well, like I can't remember the damn movie with Kevin Bacon. This is fine. All is well. This is Animal House, right? Animal House. Democrats can go out there. All is well. The economy's fine. Everything's just great. They can say that all they want. But at the end of the day, you know, people see how expensive groceries are. And Commander Melanie talks about it like she talks about it brilliantly. Every time she goes into the grocery store, $100 fills up her cart less. So people feel the economic heat. They feel it. And, and add to that inflation, which is at historic levels. Now, the media tells you inflation's tapering off. Well, yeah, like from 16% to 15%. You know, it's like it's like they, they just lie to you brazenly. But the American people, like all the gaslighting in the world can't take away those feelings of economic pain. Never mind the fact. That, you know, people like my mom and my dad are recently retiring, but they're trying to make a decision as to whether or not to retire because their 401ks are worth a hell of a lot worse, uh, less today than they were when Trump was in office. So what that does means people are staying employed longer. It makes it tougher for young kids who are graduating college to get those jobs. It's creating like traffic jams all over the place. And, it, you know, the economic dis- really, truly disastrous economic conditions. You combine that to the fact that mortgage rates are well over 8% now under Trump. I think their average was 2.39%. I mean, gas is that, I mean, gas here in Pennsylvania is almost $4 a gallon. I mean, there's a poll out a couple of months ago, or maybe it was a month ago, saying that 41% of Americans aren't driving as much just simply because of the cost of gas. And so people feel this pain economically. I mean, people always say it's the economy, stupid. 
Well, you add to that a president that's an animated corpse that can barely string together a coherent sentence that's a, that's wildly con- widely considered, even by Democrat Democrats independents writ large, to be a bumbling embarrassment to embarrassment to America. Add to that the economic concerns that Americans have. Democrats are in full panic mode, especially when you look at these poll numbers for for President Trump. There's this video I want to show you of favorability ratings of, of Kamala because. As I've told you before, the insider baseball is, is that Biden's going to decide. He's saying right now he's going to run. But if he decides to back out or there's some health-related issue or a personal re- – it'll be some health-related issue or some personal reason why, oh, why why he decided not to run after all. But he's going to wait to the last minute so that other candidates on the Democrat Party can't get in, can't compete, can't build the in- infrastructure, can't hire staff fast enough, can't raise money fast enough, and then Kamala is going to step in. But again, think back to what I just told you about how the Democrats are absolutely petrified of one, Trump's polling, two, the economic conditions, and three, the fact that Joe Biden is a bumbling idiot. Well, the problem with Kamala Harris stepping into the Biden infrastructure is that she's a hell of a lot less popular somehow than even the animated corpse mouth breathing Joe Biden. Check out this video uh, of just how unpopular cackling Kamala Harris is. Go ahead and roll the tape. I know that you are saying you don't look at the polls too much, but our poll does show her favorability is actually lower than President Biden and even than former President Trump. Why do you think she's not resonating more with voters? What do you think the issue is? Uh, because when you compare the first uh, woman of color and first woman uh, to be vice president of the United States and compare that to all of the history before, you will get that. I think that doing this campaign... She will demonstrate, as she did in that hall last night, that she knows exactly what she's doing. She has the capacity and the capability uh, to be president of the United States if called upon uh, to do so. So, who? first of all, who are these 30 percent of Americans that actually think Kamala Harris is great? Um, it really is unbelievable. But a staggering like 69 percent of Americans do not like this person. And then, of course, Clyburn. Who's like, oh, people just don't like her because she's black. I mean, these people are are just crazy, right? Oh, she's black and she's a woman. Well, how do you explain this then? NBC, there's this NBC poll. Um, and I told you a couple of weeks ago that that all of these indictments are backfiring against the Democrats in spectacular fashion. Because one of the things that I think that the Trump campaign could do better, and look, I I I don't think that this is that this is in President Trump. He's so he's so about projecting an image of strength. And he has done that his entire career, even when he was a real estate investor, a real estate mogul in New York City as a private businessman globally or just the host of Celebrity Apprentice. He's always has this tough guy image that he he's cultivated and insist. But I'll tell you, I think that the indictments have backfired in spectacular fashion, not just because he's going to get a huge percentage of the black vote or anything like that. I'm not saying it like that, but I am saying what these indictments have done is I think it makes people feel like the Democrats are going too far that damn, the government's on this guy's back too. the government's on my back. Look at these taxes, the inflation or the IRS breathing down my neck. I mean, man, they're going after Trump, man. I don't, I don't like that too much. And it almost, it almost humanizes Trump. In a way that his campaign really hasn't done. And so I think this explains 
Trump's rise in the polls and his rising popularity. Uh, but check out this NBC video of, of Biden's approval among black voters, because it kind of turns everything that Representative Cl- uh, uh, Clyburn says in the previous post on its head. Roll the tape. This, as our new poll shows, the president's approval among black voters is down 17 points since the first year of his presidency. Mr. Biden is also down by double digits among Latinos, voters without a college degree and independents. And as we mentioned, 59 percent of Democratic primary voters tell us they want to see a challenger to President Biden. <laughs> so, did you see that? Like something like 56 percent of Democrats want somebody else? I folks. These numbers of Biden's dwindling support uh, with blacks and Latinos is staggering. And not only that, we just did a segment last week. We talked about Trump's rising popularity in that community to where he might get something like 20 percent of the black vote. Never been done in 50 plus years. No Republican has ever got 50 percent of the black vote. But here's what I'm telling you. Tell you all this to say telling you all this for a reason. When people tell you that Trump can't win, you should process that like these suppression polls because they don't have the the empirical data to back it up. Oh, look at these polls. Trump's getting his ass whipped left and right. Oh, God, there's no way he could win. They don't have that anymore. So what they're doing is just telling you over and over again, these never Trumpers are the worst. Trump can't win. Trump would be a disaster. Trump can't win. He can't win. He can't win. Don't take that. Take that the same way that you would take these fake suppression polls. Okay, because he can win. But all these polls aside, is it our party and conservatives or just people who love this country? It may not even this isn't even just for people who love America. Right. Because by and large, I think that 25 percent, the most rabid radical leftists are probably I mean, who knows? I mean, the number grows every day, I feel like, but are probably a 25, 30 percent of the Democrat Party. I mean, there are lots of Democrats in Pennsylvania, Western Pennsylvania, Union Democrats who are pro-life, pro-gun. They go they go hunting all the time. They love this country. They fly the American flag. These are Kennedy Democrats who just believe that the Democrat Party once once they're not anymore, but was the party of the working man and that Republicans are the party of these big corporatists. Where you're seeing these, and and this is historic, by the way, you are living through some very crazy, strange political times, this tectonic shift and the Democrats going from being the party of the working man to being the party of Hollywood elite, big corporations, big tech, you know, white city, you know, ivory tower academia. Um, they are the party of celebrities and and college professors and the the mega mega wealthy. The Republicans now are the party of the American working class, and as anybody knows that the the middle class and small businesses are the backbone of America. And in fact, many union Democrats fall into this category. And I think you're seeing the dis the dissatisfaction of rank not. Union bosses, okay, but rank and file union members who feel betrayed by their leadership and are coming out to support Republicans in droves because these men and women just want to work. And when I say the Democrats are an existential threat to America, they're also an existential threat to our economy and an existential threat to union workers' jobs. 
I mean, just in, in Western Pennsylvania, they shut down a power plant in, in, in Homer City about 40 minutes north of me and put a bunch of boilermakers out of work. Now, the boilermakers, they endorsed President Biden. I mean, at least their leadership did. But I can tell you for a fact that their members, they were supporting Republicans. And so there's you're living through crazy times. But OK, so let me just get to the point here. The point is, is that if we don't fight with the battlefield that we're given and recognize all of these election changes, and yes, they're gonna, in a state like Pennsylvania, yes, there are no excuse mail-in ballots. That sucks. I don't support it. I had two cases at the United States Supreme Court fighting against it. I will continue to fight against it. But the reality is we have to beat them on the conditions that we're given, period. When we, when we regain power, we can roll all this crazy stuff back. And it's we can't just say, oh, my God, the machines are going to rig it. We can't do that, folks. We can't. First of all, I don't believe that. Second of all, Trump is winning by such large numbers. And if you add to that these unlikely voters who don't typically vote, those people are probably going to come out and are supporting Trump by a three-to-one margin. There's not going to be anything that they can do. Like They can only cheat so much just on the margins. Okay, if you're in a close one, two percent, you know, one, two percent margin. Yeah, they can cheat to make that up. But we're talking about now these numbers where Trump is up five, six points on average. Poll two weeks ago had Trump up six points in many swing states. That is a margin that is greater than than what they'll be able to do with cheating. Bank on that. Trust me on that. They will not be able to exceed that margin with cheating. So we have to accept the rules as they are. If we don't, the 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 alternative to that is to throw our hands up and say they're going to cheat and we cede the battlefield to them and therefore watch the demise of America as these Democrats destroy this country. So I'm imploring you, please fight with the system that we have. Like get involved when Scott Pressler comes here, talk to him, work, work, volunteer, you know, Get trained to be a poll watcher. You know, anytime you go anywhere, you should be asking your friends if they're registered to vote. If they're not, convince them to register as Republicans. Bring 10 people to the polls to, to the to the to, to vote with you on election day. And that includes local races and that includes state races. We have to engage on the battlefield with the rules of engagement that are in place. So as I'm talking about all this election stuff, of course, we're rolling into 2024. Who who rears her ugly head again is, of course, Hillary Clinton, who's rolling out the Clinton Global Clinton Foundation, the Clinton Global Initiative, which is basically just like a money laundering operation for the Clinton family. We all know that. But what's going to end up happening is the World Bank's going to pledge $25 billion to Ukraine. They're going to give that money to the Clinton Foundation. The Clinton Foundation is going to spend that money in Ukraine. But really what's going to happen is they're going to receive kickbacks and the Clintons are going to use that to spend money on their family, personally, whatever. Um, but Hillary Clinton's out there doing interviews this weekend with Jen Psaki, and she is <laughs> not only is she talking about the Russia hoax of old, she's talking about uh, maybe a Russia hoax 2.0. I've divided this clip into two segments. Um, let's roll the first clip now, and 
we'll 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 break it all down after we're going to roll the first clip vladimir putin uh has obviously your friend your friend and mine uh, (laughs) he has uh intervened in our election in the past it's not something as you experienced firsthand it's not something we talk about a lot do you fear that that is something that could be happening for 2024 and do you think we should be talking about it more well i think we should be talking about it more because i don't think despite all of the uh, you know, deniers, uh, there's any doubt that he interfered in our election or that he has interfered in many ways in uh, the uh, internal affairs of other countries, funding political parties. <laughs> She's doubling down on the Russia hoax. And Jen Psaki's like, just as you have experienced personally insinuating that the Russians hacked our election and swayed the election for Trump. Still to this day, even the Mueller probe proved that there was no basis for the Russia hoax. Now, Hillary Clinton colluded with a guy named Mark Elias, Fusion GPS, the Steele dossier. It's all complete BS. It's all a hoax. The Durham probe, even after that, further proved this, that this Russia stuff was a complete and total fabrication. Yet Hillary Clinton here today is out there talking about Russia cost her the election, and they're going to do it again. Boy, the polling must be so bad if these mouth-breathing psychopaths are out there talking about a Russia hoax 2.0. Vladimir Putin's going to do it again. But Hillary Clinton didn't stop there. Now try, I know this will be difficult, especially if you're playing the mouth-breathing drinking game, try not to let this next video clip diminish your IQ by 10 to 20 points because it might. So be forewarned. Go ahead and roll the tape. Part of the reason he worked so hard against me is because he didn't think that uh, he wanted me uh, in the White House. So we are where we are. And part of the challenge is to continue to um, explain to the American public that you know, the kind of leader Putin is, this authoritarian dictator who literally kills his uh, opposition, kills journalists, poisons people uh, who disagree with him, invades other country, interferes with our election. Um, that is part of the alternative we have to reject in this election. We have to reject authoritarianism. We have to reject a kind of creeping fascism almost mm-hmm. of people who uh are really ready to turn over their thinking, their votes uh, to want to be dictators. And we can't allow that to proceed. So I think it's I think it's fair to say that, uh, you know, you have a tough job because you have to talk about what's happening in the news. But you also have to keep people's eyes on what's right behind the horizon. And I fear that, um, you know, the Russians have proved themselves to be quite adept at interfering and uh, If he has a chance, he'll do it again. Hillary, nobody was afraid of you. Vladimir Putin would have vastly preferred you to President Trump. And by the way, if you want to hurt the Russians, the best way to do it is to be energy independent. Uh, The Biden administration in crushing our oil and gas industry here at home created a global void that Vladimir Putin filled. And now he's exploited being a net energy exporter of natural gas that helps bolster his economy. That bolstered economy allowed him to fund an invasion into Ukraine. So yeah, I'm pretty damn sure that Vladimir Putin would have been a okay with you, with you being president. 
it, it, uh, the, 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 re the real reason why I showed you that is that she's like, we must reject authoritarianism. And there are some Republicans, Republicans, presumably, that, that support Vladimir Putin in his ways. I mean, oh, my God. Not only is that complete propaganda, conspiracy theory crap made possible by the fake news media uh, in elevating this dribble all the time, but there was a recent poll that just came out. And, and by the way, I agree with Hillary. We should reject fascism and authoritarianism in all forms. So let's just go ahead and start within your own party, the Democrats. Real Clear Politics had a poll that recently came out. Now get this, folks. 47% of Democrats say free speech should be legal only under certain circumstances. 34% of Democrats say Americans have, quote, too much freedom. 75% of Democrats say government has a responsibility to censor hateful social media posts. Only 31% strongly agree with the statement I disapprove of what you say, but I will defend to the death your right to say it. So if fascism exists in America, Hillary, it exists in your own circle of friends. It exists in the new Democrat Party. You're pals. So like, yes, but we're in agreement. We should reject fascism and authoritarianism. But let's start first in of your own party, Hillary. So anyways, folks, for those of you all who've been, me, been with me for an hour, we're going to have a hell of a show for you tomorrow. Thank you for all, all for watching. If you've made it this far, please take two seconds and smash that like button, that little green thumb under the video screen. It means a lot to me. It helps us get advertisers because Rumble knows that stuff. And if I get advertisers, I can build a new studio. It gets me away from the cat's litter box, which I'd be really excited about. Um, also like the battleground live page. This is a big deal folks. Rumble has been under attack for the last, you know, 72 hours. They've had advertisers like Burger King and HelloFresh and other places drop them because they refused to drop Russell Brand based on allegations. Period. Russell Brand has not been charged, he's not been convicted of a crime. He just has this massive movement to cancel the guy. Rumble is the lone voice that is holding the line and and pledging not to cancel him. And because of that, this is how the Democrats wage war, right? The Democrats wage war by colluding with their allies in high executive corporate positions to cancel company to cancel companies and advertising dollars that don't toe the line with them. Well, Rumble's holding the line. They've been under attack. So it's that's why I'm telling you it's critically important for you to tell your family and friends, get on Rumble, subscribe to this page it is and will always be free it will it is and will always be free this is this is your show we're going to be doing it live every single night from 5 at 5 p.m to 6 monday through friday you know as we continue to grow this show once we hit 10,000 or so subscribers we might go a little bit longer right we might go 90 minutes might even do two hours but this is totally dependent on you because this is your show so it Everywhere I go, by the way, people don't really know what some some people don't know what Rumble is. I take those opportunities to inform them that they're the only video sharing platform in the world that is 100 percent in on defending free speech. And so, you know, join if, if you've got family members, if you've got friends, have them join Rumble, have them support this website, have them come and like and subscribe to Battleground Live because this is a show for you. Um but as always, like what I'm wearing right now, do not comply. 
Uh, we've got these, we just rolled out a couple months ago, the Battleground Apparel Company, which is a company, an apparel company for American patriots, people who love this country, people who want to defend this country, who believe America is exceptional. We've got all sorts of patriotic shir- shirts on the websites, all available at officialseanparnell.com. Join the movement, get in the trenches, help us save this country. Um, anyways, thank you all for watching for this for it, on this Monday night. Uh, got a great show for you tomorrow. God bless you all, and God bless this amazing country that we call home. Take care. Good night. Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening.